Mindfulness Mode 499. Don't delay. Don't put it off any longer. You need a coach, get a coach. You need a counselor, get a counselor. Get the help and don't delay. Hey, Mindful Tribe, we've almost reached our 500th episode. Don't miss it. I'm giving out Mindfulness Mode gifts on episode 500, so be there. Hey, at the end of today's episode, you'll learn about Podbean, my podcasting host, and there's a special Podbean offer. Today, I'm featuring an athlete. She's a former basketball coach, and I can very, very happily say uh, a new friend. She is absolutely heart-centered and she's all about giving. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's interview with Frida Doxy. And speaking of life coaches, I have a coach with me today and I have a feeling this is going to be a very interesting conversation because she has done a lot of fascinating things and she's written a book that came out of the coaching experience she has. And Frida is a person that she and I know a a mutual person and that is Chris Patterson. And I interviewed Chris earlier on the podcast, but I'm so excited to welcome you here today, Frida. Are you in mindfulness mode today? Oh, yes, I am. I am <laughs> calm, great. peace, center. I love the place that I'm in right now. That's wonderful. This is Frida Doxy. And Frida Doxy, like I said, is a business coach. She's an entrepreneur. She's an author and minister. And she's touched the lives of thousands of people internationally. Her passion is to impact a nation by transforming the minds of its people. She has an athletic background as a former Division I coach and college basketball Hall of Famer. Frida has worked with clients in Europe, South Africa, Liberia, Jamaica, and the U.S. So, Frida, what does mindfulness mean to you? For me, it means having a place of calmness and peace about yourself and also about others as you engage in conversation or uh, are with other people, that there will be a calmness no matter where you are and a peace and a centeredness that um, helps you to relate better to people. Frida, do you think that's the reason why so many people seek coaching because they do not have that level of calmness? I believe they don't know what it is. Once they find a coach and work with someone, they will get that. And that has been my experience with a variety of coaches that I've had over the years, even though I'm a coach myself. And I believe in coaches getting coaches and mentors and sponsors. So when I have a coach like I have one right now, I'm constantly in that place of a calm and a peace and a serenity. So Frida, when did you become a coach? (laughs) So here's a fascinating story. I became what I call the original coach because I was a basketball coach years ago. And when I was coach as a player, my coach said something to me that stuck with me. She said, this is not about basketball. This is about life because the principles and information and experience that you have here, you'll take with you for the rest of your life. And so from that, I desired to be a basketball coach, not knowing that it would also lead to what we call today life coaching. Um, So That's how it all got started for me. So tell me about one of the people that you coached, a fascinating story that someone that you helped with the basketball and and in turn with their life. 
Um, I was coaching at Florida State University as an assistant coach, and we have to recruit players. And I remember recruiting this young lady. Oh, my gosh, she was fascinating, incredible player, tremendous student. I really wanted her to play for Florida State University. And we connected. However, she chose the University of Florida. But what happened after that, she began to ask if she could call me. So she's playing for Florida and I'm coaching at Florida State. And, and I said, sure, why not? Uh, so over the years, we just talked. And after she graduated, went on to grad school, we continued to talk. And then she began to ask me to help her with life issues. And so I began to help her. And that coaching relationship has turned into a friendship over the past 28 years. So that is one that stands out for me a great deal in working with a, a, a basketball player. Now, out of your coaching came an interesting book, and you told me about this before I hit record, but can you tell us what happened and how that book came about? So years of being a licensed professional counselor, I realized that a lot, if not most of my patients and clients were dealing with the inability to say no. And I thought if they could just say no to some of the crucial things in their lives, they probably wouldn't need me. So I said, I'm going to write a book one day. And it's a small handbook that talks about 50 ways to say no and mean it. It came from the song some of you may know about it, and that is 50 ways to leave your lover. And I thought, hey, I'll come up with 50 nuggets. And out of that came the book, 50 ways to say no. And not just say no, but mean it when you say it. And is it mostly about saying no to yourself or is it mostly about saying no to others? It's both because we do have to learn how to say no to ourselves as well as to other people, places and things. And I think once we are able to do that, that brings about a mindfulness as well. That brings about a centeredness that I can say no and it's okay. And no one is not going to judge me or I'm going to judge myself and I can go on with life and have healthier relationships. And so can you share with us some of those interesting ways to say no that you included in your book? So the number one that I use is give yourself permission to say no. Because a lot of times, even my own law, uh, life, I wasn't giving myself permission. I was telling myself, no, you can't say no for a variety of reasons, right? So once you give yourself permission, you'll find out it becomes easier and easier. Another one that I use even today is get somebody else who is stronger at saying no than you are and put them on your team. So my husband, for example, is a great example. So when I'm still struggling to say no to some idea or something, I call my husband and I say, listen, I need your help. (laughs) And he'll coach me along the way. And I'm able to say no to that thing or person uh, situation that I need to say no to. So those are two nuggets right there. That's great, Frida. And I think in our society, I don't know if you agree that uh, we are in a place where we forget to reach out to other people. We don't do that enough. And I don't know whether that's because of social media. I mean, we used to embrace family so much more than we do today. What are your thoughts on, on the fact that in society today, we don't seem to reach out as much? Yes, sodium meat. Uh, social media is a plus and then it can be a negative. And I totally agree with you. It does take away the ability or even thinking, do I even need to reach out to somebody else? Because I can Google it or I can, you know, search it and get come up with the answer myself. 
but I find that hinders our ability to have relationship with each other. So the more we learn, and that's, those are some skills that I teach even my daughters and some of their friends, they are teenagers and college students, how to just reach out and get help. It's okay to ask for help because there are people around that can help and will help. And then you will be able to be a person that folk can call on as well to say, I need help from you and then you'll be available. So, yeah, I was just going to ask about other family. You mentioned your husband and that you reach out to him. Now you've mentioned your daughters. Tell me what your daughters have taught you about mindfulness and about reaching out. One of the things from my oldest daughter I've learned, no, my youngest one, and it was when I was taking the Dale Carnegie course. It's an eight-week course, and I graduated, and they came to the graduation, and the um, owner said to my youngest daughter, so what do you think about your mom now that she's completed the Dale Carnegie course? And she looked at everybody and said, she's a much nicer person. So what I've learned, yes, I was like a sergeant when I was at home. The youngest one has taught me how to just stop, embrace life, touch, hug, and just enjoy the moment. She's what I call my touchy-feeling daughter. And I wasn't always like that, but she has taught me. I mean, she'll come home and stretch out those arms and bring it in, bring it in, you know, and then we'll just, and she, for me, it'll be a quick hug and let's go. She's like, uh-uh, uh-uh, no, 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 uh-uh, stay right there, stay right there. And then I'll find myself relaxing. So I've learned that from my youngest one. My oldest one has taught me that other people are important. She is such a giver uh, and giving to her friends, her time and her talent and her treasure she'll give to her friends. I've learned from my oldest one how to give. That's beautiful. Uh, that is very beautiful because being able to give and receive, both of those are a, a talent and a skill that not all of us have. So I'm glad mm-hmm. you mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Now, Frida, you are a minister and a yeah. very inspirational pastor mm-hmm. because I've heard you on your YouTube videos, you know, when you yeah. are very, very passionate to reach out to your parishioners. How did you get into that? And tell us what part mm-hmm. that plays in your life. It was not on my bucket list. I believe it started when I was at FSU, Florida State University. I was coaching. That's also where the idea came that maybe I should be doing counseling. Most of the coaches, administration, players from different sports would just come knock on my door and say, hey, can I talk? And my pastor at that time said, you know what? I think you really have what it takes to minister, if you will, and work with and care for young adults. So he said, give it a try. And I gave it a try and I just loved it. So I went to school so I could know more about how to, you know, take the Bible and really use it. So I went back to school. I went to seminary and got the training that I needed. And from there, the rest is history. And I just love caring for individuals, particularly young adults, um, women and um, young boys. I don't know why. There's a heart that I have for young boys, uh, for them to be, I guess, to be the boys that they need to be to grow up to be the men that they need to be. So are you at a regular church and you minister every Sunday? No, I don't. I'm at a regular church and I only minister at work primarily with the women, which is my passion. So I help um, the pastor's wife work with the women of our church. And I do work with the young people. 
That's and great. I love working with the young people. So when they need me, I'm available. And from time to time, I get calls to go all over different places uh, to share the word with different groups. And you have worked with people from all over the world, from Europe, South Africa, Liberia. Tell me about someone that you've worked with in one of these other countries that was a story where you were really, truly able to help them from the distance. Yeah. So when we went to, I go with a team, I've been with a team each time I do go to those various places. And I remember just as January, oh, Last year, 2019, January, we went to Liberia and this young man, man, he was vibrant and excited and he sat with me and he shared with me his struggle with his wife. So my passion is also for married couples. And so he confided in me some things about his marriage and I began to talk to him about how he can make some changes that would bring about changes for his marriage. And this young man was serious about making those changes. So while we were there for the 10 days, he implemented the things that we talked about. And before we left, I didn't get to meet his wife, but he sent me pictures because we still stay in contact, how the relationship is just so much vibrant and that he really appreciated the conversation that I took the time to talk with him about how to just take care of his wife. Frida, so many problems that people have are related to substance abuse and Mm -hmm. to addictions of different kinds. I'm wondering if some of those 50 ways to say no relate to addictions and how you can help people with addictions. Absolutely. That's a passion of mine as well, um, because I got started, didn't want to do it, um, but life has it. Events happen, and I love working with individuals who struggle with substance abuse. So you're absolutely right. On a scale of one to ten, there is the inability to say no. Underneath all that, the core of that is something that I teach even my coaching clients is we got to look at our belief system. When we look at what we believe about anything or any situation, that is where change will occur. So over the years in Texas, Georgia, now here in Florida, I'm working with different clients who have the issue of substance abuse. Once I get them to scale away, carefully look at what are you believing about yourself? What do you have been believing about this situation? Now let's just go one day at a time and look at how we can change those belief. Because once we change what we believe about ourselves and others, we'll change the outcome. It takes time. It's not hap- It won't happen overnight. But the more we dig into what I believe about that, and how it has hindered me, then we can see some changes occur. So yes, it has helped and still helping individuals who have issue when it comes to substance abuse. Frida, this may be very personal and you don't have to answer it, but you mentioned that you have always had a coach and that you have a coach now. I'm wondering what you have learned about yourself that you can change about yourself that you've learned through your coach. Yes. Number one thing I remember i First, if not our second conversation, I was sharing with him my fears. And he said to me, have you ever heard of the, the syndrome? Of, I forgot how he phrased it, but I call it, I don't belong here. <laughs> you know, he said, you're not an imposter. That's it, the imposter syndrome. I had never heard of that. He said, you belong here. And then he started asking me some facts. What are some of the facts that says that you belong here? So belong here, do I belong here in the place that I'm trying, where I'm going. Yes, you belong there where you're going. It seems humongous and extravagant and large, but where you believe you're going, you belong there. So that has 
and helping me. I tell myself, you belong here. When that fear comes, like, what am I doing? Like, I have an event coming up in January 23rd. I'm like, ah, ah, you know, and I'm like, no, you belong here. And I'll just remind myself, what are the facts that says that you belong here? What have you done? What are you doing that says you belong here? And is your event on January 23rd something you can share with us? Yes. Oh, it's so my coach is having the event and I'm one of the speakers for the event. It's here in Jacksonville, Florida at the Atlantic Beach Country Club. It's from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. So it's like boot camp. And what I can do is provide the link of if they go and register, they'll get 50% off the ticket price for them to attend, as my guest. And uh, who is your coach? Chris Patterson. He is the CEO of Interchanges here in Jacksonville, which is how I met him at one of his incredible events they used to host years ago. It's a networking event that is none like I've ever seen. And that's how we got to meet at one of his events. And have you been at one of his events before? Oh, yes. And I can still remember the number of people, the quality, if I can use that phrase, of people that would come to those events and the connections that happened. And one thing that got my attention, my Chris, is it wasn't just greet and meet and network. It was each event had a nonprofit organization that he presented to the group to support. It was not an event that he did not put on stage. We are supporting this particular event. Feel free to make donations. And that got my attention. Wow. So tell us an experience you had at one of his previous events that really made a difference for you. He did a marketing event. He was, no, he didn't. He wasn't a host. He was a participant. So he invited me to come. And the young man, I can't think of his name right now, did a presentation on storytelling. And I thought, wow, let me, this is interesting. And what I like about when you have events is I believe in practical application. So this guy said, okay, I want you to write down, you get two minutes, write down a story of how you came up with your business name. People want to know there's a story. And I was like, oh, great. I mean, two minutes, I'm writing real fast. And then I finished. She said, okay, who wants to talk and tell us? read your story. And I volunteered. And I was so glad I did that because now I use that as as, people, uh, as my storyteller to people say, well, how is your company AY's coaching? Your last name is Doxy. And then I get the opportunity to tell my story. Well, you have the opportunity right now. And I know your <laughs> website is Wise coaching.company. And I will repeat that wise coaching.company. And I know that that's a fascinating name because it, it grabbed my attention. So tell us the story. How did you become wise coaching.company? So here's the story that I told everybody. A elderly woman with long flowing hair asked me to brush her hair. And as I was brushing her hair, I was nervous because she sometimes would say some things that I did not quite understand. That woman was my great aunt Wise. Oh. And she said to me one of those days when I was brushing her long, beautiful hair, you are a gold piece. You are unique and you are different. My company, Wise Coaching, takes all of that wisdom that I gained from my great aunt Wise and use that for myself and for anyone who dares to allow me to coach them. 
Wow. Anyone who dares. And I love that you said that. Anyone who dares. And because I know I have a coach and my coach is Chris Patterson. I've had many coaches over the years Mm -hmm. and it does take courage to reach out and, and have a coach. Tell us how we get to that point of actually making the decision and hiring a coach. What's involved? I think it's number one, being in the room, whether that at an event or one-on-one. And the second part, which is real crucial, you are really what my friend says, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm at the point where I must ask for help and then they ask for help. And I believe another phrase that I heard, I don't know who to give credit to, is when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And it has happened to me, and I, I'm certain it's happened to you and everyone who has a coach. At that moment when I say, you know, I'm sick and tired, I've been sick and tired, I need help. And it seemed like the person who you need is right there. And here's the third thing, act immediately. Don't wait, don't debate, don't... Mm, See if this is true, just act immediately because you are tired and frustrated about being in the same spot that you are in and you want to grow and explore. Tired and frustrated. And that does describe a lot of my clients too, Mm -hmm. that they, you know, they have they have a persona. So many of them are CEOs or many of them are very successful people. And Everybody around them believes they're very successful and very um, balanced and that everything is great in their lives. And that's kind of also what social media does. It can make us look like we're so successful. We've got it all together. But when I start actually coaching these individuals, sometimes I find that they're tired, they're frustrated, they're discouraged, or they're overwhelmed. And I find that through my coaching and with the mindfulness that I teach, just like you do, that I think that it helps them to become more grounded. And, uh, you know, so I think it's wonderful that you're doing this for people all over the world and you've had so much experience and uh, your, your website is certainly easy to remember wise coaching dot company. And I like that dot company. It's not dot com. It's not anything else. It's just easy to remember wise coaching dot company. Frida, you said something earlier that caught my attention and I want to ask you about this because it's something that I think is a a huge problem in our world. You said that you are able to help young boys and you have a passion for helping young boys to grow up to be the men they're supposed to be. And I believe that in our world today, we have a tremendous issue with pornography. It's the online world and that's where it's at for all of our young people. And I just feel that young boys have so much access to this and it's such a problem. Do you have any thoughts about this? Yes, you're absolutely right. And it is a growing problem with our younger generation because of the accessibility uh, to the internet. So we're looking at, and the research I've done and worked with some of my colleagues is as early as elementary school. So not fifth grade, fourth grade, but even third grade, because we look at most of, um, I don't know the number, a good percentage of young people, children, I'm going to say children, have access to a phone. Uh, If you can go in any restaurant and you see a family, you see a young person, more than likely the child will have a phone. 
and they have access. I was sitting at a table with a lady the other day and her daughter had the phone. And the next thing you know, she disappeared underneath the table. And the mom said, get from underneath the table and do not go to any, don't, what did she say? Don't download anything on my phone. Mm. She is six years old. She knows how to download. Uh, So here's the other part to the pornography is, and Bruce, you may be aware of this, is it's not just only our boys, but an increasing number of girls. Yes. And one of the reasons, not the only reason, is the accessibility to Internet. Years ago, it was mostly boys because of the magazines that maybe the father or the younger older brother had access to. Um, but now because of the internet. So how can we help? I would say to parents, I do parenting is I tell the parents, you paying for the phone, you it's your phone, and you could use that as a tool to take away from the child if they're not succeeding in various areas of their lives. And and just tell the parent, like the one parent that I work with, she's I don't want to know. Most parents don't want to know. Mm. I says, I know, so I, I want to give you courage. You're saying no, say no to fear and say yes to being courageous because as you intervene early in the child's life, then you can look forward to hopefully it won't escalate to something greater later on in their adulthood. Yeah, I agree with you completely, Frida. As parents, we must have the courage and the strength to be the strong parent. And to make sure that we tell our children and pass on to our children uh, that it's not acceptable and not only tell them, but make it so that it's not so accessible for them. And there are ways to do that. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Ways to um, to to the on your laptop, on your phone. You know, there's different securities that you can put on the phones for the child. You can put on the laptop to computers, et cetera. There's many ways to do that. It's easy to go and find what are some of those sites that you can use for security measure uh, for your children. That's right, Frida. I've worked in bullying prevention for a long time, and I always mm-hmm. ask a question about this. Mm-hmm. Is there a story mm-hmm. that you can share with us where maybe you were mm-hmm. being bullied or you have a story about this where mindfulness would have made a difference? For me personally, it would have. I was in the sixth grade, six feet tall and wore a size 12 shoe. So wow. I stood out, right? I As I look back, yes, I stood out, but it didn't give that five foot young girl reasons to bully me <laughs> and threaten to fight me. And I would run. I would, after school, when the bell rang, ding, 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 ding. I would literally, literally grab my books and would fear run down the stairs because I remember being on the second floor of our building and I would run home and it was at least a half a mile to get home. I would not get on the school bus because she would be on the school bus. If I had back then a mindfulness, I would and saying no, I would have been able to do those things as well as I didn't tell my brother or my sister or my mom. I kept it to myself and each day getting on the bus, nervous about going to school because of this young girl. I can't even remember what happened at a stop. I, I know what happened. I went to high school and she didn't go to my high school. <laughs> oh, that's what but I didn't have those measures in place to say no to her, say no to myself ask for help from the teacher administration or even ask for help, you know, from my parent as well as my brothers and sister who were older. Frida, as we move forward in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are fine. The first one is this, who is one person who has influenced mindfulness in your life? Coach C. Vivian Stringer. 
She is a coach now at um, Rutgers University, and uh, she's a Hall of Famer, Naismith Hall of Famer. She has been one of the most influential in my life. Frida, how has mindfulness affected your emotions? Stabilized my emotion. They're not all over the place. I'm not wretched with fear. I can move forward with confidence and courage. How is breathing a part of your mindfulness? <laughs> it is absolutely necessary because I find myself, like many people probably do, holding my breath and learning to exhale and inhale. So I practice breathing daily to remind myself, breathe and let it go and inhale all that is good. If you could recommend a book on mindfulness or related to mindfulness, what would that book be? Oh, God. This is an old one. It helped me years ago. I'm okay. You're okay. Now, I know it's transactional analysis and get real deep, but just the, if you can get the meat out of it, that's one. And another one that's for parents and children is, what is it called? Um, it's by Ellen, 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 Ellen. Um, Ellen Still. Uh, ooh, it's about, oh, sitting uh, still like a frog. And it's exercises that teaches children and parents, you know, about mindfulness. Yeah, I like that book. That's really cool. And of course, your book, 50 Ways to Say No and Mean It. Check that out. Yeah, for sure, Frida. And uh, my next question is, uh, can you share an app of any kind that could help people with mindfulness? I highly recommend and I use it, My Strength. Mind Strength app, yes. Highly recommended. I refer it to um, to many of my students, anyone I know, family and friends, get that app. My daughters have it. My Strength app is one that I highly recommend. Wonderful. My Strength. I've not heard of that one. So thanks for sharing it. And I will put all of this in our show notes at mindfulnessmode.com. So check that out. Frida, you talked about the event you're speaking at February or sorry, January 23rd. 2020. Would you tell us again, what was the website of the landing page? It's www.wisecoaching.company. That will be my website uh, landing page that they can go to. Um, You can also go to Live Large Academy. That is Chris Patterson's, my coach, and he would have the information available on his landing page. Live Large Academy, Chris Patterson, where you can find the information. Right. Yeah. He would be livelargeacademy.com, correct? Yes. yes dot yeah. com, correct. Yeah. So first and foremost, go to wisecoaching.company yes. and find out more about Frida. Frida, it has been fantastic talking to you about all of these topics related to coaching and helping people. And I can tell you have a passion for helping people. And that's absolutely wonderful. And before we leave, do you have any final words of advice for our Mindful Tribe listeners? Yes, it's something that I mentioned earlier, and that is get help. I can't tell you how often I run into people who are hesitant to get help. I recently got a client the other day and I said, get help. Help is available. Open your eyes and people all around willing to help. So I say to the audience, get help. Don't delay. Don't put it off any longer. You need a coach, get a coach. You need a counselor, get a counselor. Get the help and don't delay. Act immediately. So my mantra for this year is act immediately. Make it happen now. Don't delay. Make it happen now. Thank you. And that's a great note to end on. Make it happen now. Thank you so much, Frida, for being on Mindfulness Mode. Thank you, Bruce. I totally enjoyed it. (laughs) All the best to you. Bye now. 
Thanks so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest's name or the episode number into the search bar. You can also go mindfulnessmode.com slash whatever episode number you like. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, so many places you can hear Mindfulness Mode. So hit subscribe and share because that truly helps our show. And remember, if you're thinking of launching your own podcast, you can get a free month at Podbean with its awesome pricing and fantastic stats. And you can just do that by going to podbean.com slash podbean MM, standing for mindfulness mode. So remember, subscribing and sharing helps keep mindfulness mode on the air. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.